Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that loves to party, but only if it's Project X. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. Uh, What's up? (laughs) How's it going? How's your weekend? Uh, It's pretty good. It's uh, it's been I feel like it's been busy, but it's uh, it's been pretty good. Yeah, nothing. (laughs) Nothing too exciting going on, but nothing really to complain about either. So that's good. Uh, how about you? Um, cool. <laughs> Very, <laughs> Very descriptive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's pretty vague, but I don't have too much <laughs> exciting going on right now, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, how about you? No, that's OK. I, I'm uh, about the same in terms of uh, excitingness. Um, I'm realizing I probably need to mow my lawn at least one more time before the uh, – for the season and then i can basically stop <laughs> see that that's where i'm at but like all my grass is dormant and uh it's just brown but then there's all these weeds growing up and i'm just kind of like do i really have to just mow the weeds <laughs> i'm not really well, sure but <laughs> i'm thinking i give it one final mow and i call it a day because it's supposed to be really nice the next couple like the next like stretch of days yeah, absolutely. Um, they give it one more good mow and then I'm probably done because then I can focus on just leaf blowing after that. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're just rolling into that time of year, which is kind of nice because I like cold weather. So anyway, absolutely. Enough of this small talk. <laughs> that's not why people came to talk to us. Came to listen. So um, <laughs> if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. This is not normally what we talk about. Um Let's uh, this isn't the lawn mowing podcast, not the lawn mowing podcast. Let's hop into uh, what are we watching? What are we reading, man? So, like I said, I feel like I've been busy, but I really haven't. But I honestly haven't had a chance to really watch much of anything. Um, And it's really it's one of those things where my son is just at the age where he's finally wants full control of the TV, like almost all the time. just really struggling to find time to watch the stuff that I want. So as funny as it sounds, I really don't have anything this week, but that might not be a bad thing because I feel like last week we talked about watching a reading way too long. (laughs) So that might be a nice change of pace. But uh, how about you? Have you watched anything new? Well, I watched a couple trailers, which I told you to watch um, before. Yeah, I I did watch those. (laughs) I'll save save that to the end of my watching and reading because I wanted to uh, because then we can like chat about them together. Um, I just told you to watch them ahead of time just because they caught my attention. Um, I did watch. I, I finally started. Wa- I know I'm a little I'm late to the bandwagon, but I started watching Cobra Kai on uh, Netflix, um, which is the Karate Kid uh, yeah. show. Um, it's awesome. Like I'm probably like four episodes in. It's fantastic. Um, they do such a good 
job paying attention to the original source material. And when I say source material, like primarily the first film. And then there's been a couple like lines of dialogue to reference the second, at least I haven't heard any. I don't remember enough about the third to know if they've referenced anything that I didn't catch. But so far I was like, Oh, that's first, first movie, first movie, first movie. Hey, that was a second movie call out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they're nice. But the movie was not the movie. The show so far is absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to watching more. Um, Star Wars visions has started on Disney plus. Um, and when I say started, I mean, legitimately dropped all the episodes at once. Um, Yes, um, I'm really intrigued by this. It kind of caught me off guard because I didn't realize it was out already. But uh, what do you think so far? I was super enticed by this uh, this property or project or whatever, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. You know, so it's nine episodes um, all separate. Each one is completely separate from the other. It's each one is a various uh, is a different anime director, anime art style anime story they do not connect to each other in any way other than the fact that they are star wars Mm -hmm. and it has been confirmed by lucasfilm that none of this is canon so before anyone on the internet goes well where does this fall and how does this play in and all that nonsense forget about the storyline forget about continuity focus on the fact that this is basically a bunch of guys being allowed to play in the sandbox and just make some really cool stuff Um, And you should just enjoy it as such. That being said, it's beautiful. Like it is so cool to watch. It's a really cool like breath of fresh air, too. There's moments where you kind of forget that you're watching Star Wars um, Mm -hmm. and you're a little bit more focused on the fact that you're watching an anime. Um, The first episode is called The Duel. It's black and white. Very kind of like a sketch art, um, very, very heavily detailed sketch art. But it um, kind of reminds me of like a, a Akira Kurosawa uh, piece. OK, yeah. What Star Wars is heavily um, influenced, influenced by. by anyway. Yeah. But um, it it's very Kurosawa and it's a black and white except for the color of the lightsabers and the laser blasts. I thought that was oh, nice. I thought that was <laughs> kind of clever and kind of cool. Um, yeah. And they kind of bounce around and you tell different kinds of things. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I could look it up right now, but I'm drawing a blank on the fourth episode, which is um, the fourth episode is probably my favorite so far. The duel, the duel for sure. And then my fourth episode, which is probably my favorite. Um, But it is absolutely amazing. Um, Episodes, the duel. uh, The second one's called Tatooine Rhapsody. That one, <laughs> right. about, that one's cool. It's about a, it's basically about a kid who's a Jedi that like survives Order sixty six and he's on the run <laughs> and he hook gets hooked up with a band, like one of the okay. galactic bands, and yeah. um, he's trying to make it big. But one of the guys in the band is a wanted is wanted by Jabba the Hutt, so bounty hunters show up to try and get him, and they talk him in. They talk in. They talk him into. Uh, um, let me put it this way. They talk Jabba the Hutt into allowing them to put on one final concert before he's executed. <laughs> um, wow. So That's it's just, pretty heavy. It is kind of heavy. Then the third one is called the twins. Um, this is about two twins that are born into the dark side. 
and they're on this on the board of this massive star destroyer doing this thing. And one of them decides he's not into this anymore. And they go to battle with each other. And it's all about the break of like their relationship separation. Um, by the way, the only characters in episodes one, two, three, four and five, the only characters that have any connection to the films have been Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt. And they're in episode two. Um, everything else has been completely new, new characters, new backgrounds. You'll see stormtroopers and maybe some battle droids, maybe some familiar ships. But other than that, most of the characters are completely original. Yeah. Um, episode. Oh, I did watch more. I watched through episode six. My bad. Um, episode four um, is called The Village Bride. Um The description on Disney Plus reads, a Jedi on the run takes in the unique customs of a remote village under the threat by a warlord. This one's my favorite. Um, Probably this one and the duel, the village bride and the duel are probably my favorite of all of them. They're oh, my God, they're just so beautiful. But the village bride kind of reminds me. It's kind of like this is what I like out of anime. Um, Okay. in terms of storytelling, it's it feels very Studio Ghibli, but a little bit more. Man, I don't know what a good word is it word to use there. I mean, as far as the art style goes, it feels very Studio Ghibli. Uh, if you yeah. Will. Princess Mononoke kind of a thing. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, episode five is the ninth Jedi. This one was kind of that one was kind of cool. Very close to the normal Star Wars mythos. And then the, episode six is T.O.B. one, which is about a droid, um, which is about droids. Uh, seven, eight, nine. I haven't watched yet, but um, I'm looking forward to it. They're also short. Some of them are like only 14 minutes. I think the longest one is 20 some minutes. Yeah, 22 minutes is the longest one. Okay, but nice. Some of them are short. Some of them are lengthy. But yeah, I'll tell you, dude, totally check that show out. It's great. <laughs> oh, I, I will be. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I remember on YouTube there was uh, somebody did a, a fan animation. Um, you know, some years ago where it was a uh, it was like an anime style TIE fighter sequence that focused on like a couple different TIE fighter pi- pilots. And it was just I, re- I remember whoever made it, they just did such a good job. It was animated so well. And oh, okay. uh, it was all in, in an anime style. What we were going to say You're talking about that tie fighter animated short that's on youtube and stuff right yeah yeah and but th- but that was like whoever did that they did such a good job and you watch that and you're like they really need to make a star wars anime and then you know <laughs> on on deviant art yeah. and other websites like that i've seen a lot of star wars anime fan art and just some something about it just seems to work in a weird way where like Star Wars and anime, it just like meshes really well in this unexpected and cool way. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, The only other thing you said, like you mentioned that none of these stories are canon. And uh, there's part of me that's saying, like, if the only characters you recognize are Boba Fett and Jabba Jabba the Hutt at this point, why not just say it's canon, you know? But I do understand why they would say that, because... I know one for one thing, it gives, uh, you know, these anime studios, it gives them a lot more creative freedom. But uh, I don't know. I the more time goes on, I just really value canon things. And so I wish that was the case. But either way, I'm really looking forward to uh, watching this series for sure. Well, I really appreciate them in, in a world where people argue about canon. I really appreciate them saying this is not this is them saying, have some fun. 
sit back and enjoy some quality storytelling is the best way I would like best way I looked at it. But I was just kind of blown away by those first six. Um, I got three more to watch and I, I can't wait to watch them. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I was going to not to talk about this too much, no, but I was going to ask. Um, there's a couple different sort of anime anthologies that this kind of reminds me of, like uh, the Animatrix or Halo Legends and stuff like this, stuff like that. How does this stack up compared to uh, some of those other anime anthology collections or however you want to phrase it? Um, I would liken it as in terms of like an anime collection that would share with a franchise. I would liken it to the Animatrix. Yeah. The best way of comparing it in terms of uh, them taking a franchise and making anime uh, things. Yeah, absolutely. I just didn't know if it was like, is this your favorite sort of anime collection like that Uh, you've seen? Or is it kind of I guess I was just kind of curious how it held up compared to like so far. I kind of want to say yes, but it's also very fresh. OK, I, I understand. You need to give it some time. <laughs> I want to say yes. And it's specifically because of the duel and the and that one bride one episode four, um, the village bride or whatever that one was titled. Uh, those two specifically, the duel feels very Star Wars, but it feels very Japanese anime. And mm-hmm. then it's well, how about this? It feels very Japanese anime first. And then the Star Wars stuff is kind of added in. Mm-hmm. Uh Village Bride feels very anime and there's kind of like aside from dialogue, it just feels anime as opposed to Star Wars. And then all the big Star Wars stuff happens near the end of the episode that, like I said, there's something like very special about that one. It's probably my favorite so far. So, uh, but yeah, Um, other than uh, Star Wars Visions and Cobra Kai, the Emmys were this past weekend. So to give people a perspective, today is uh, September 23rd for the time of this recording, and the Emmys were this past weekend. Um, what really blew my mind is that there was, I think, one network show that was nominated. Everything else was all streaming. Um, <laughs> well, then. <laughs> well, I, I'm that, and I'm taking and I'm taking out the variety show. So like. When you get to like the masked singer and those type of shows, like um, take those out of the equation and just focus on the narrative storytelling. Everything yeah. was streaming. All the winners were streaming. It was crazy. And like it basically shows that network television really is basically dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. which, I mean, completely. It was just it was crazy. But um, uh, I'm not, Ted Laszlo wins best comedy. Not surprised there. I really want to watch that. I just don't have Apple TV, so I got to find a way of watching it because I really want to see that show. Um, what one best uh, drawing a complete blank to what one best drama? I'm going to have to look that up. But um, best limited series and or movie went to Queen's Gambit. Big, uh, nice, big props there. I was really happy for that to happen because I was worried. I was like, I want it to be Queen's Gambit, but it's not going to be. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um Emmy winners 2021. I just want to see the drama award because I'm not going to go through. I'm not going to go through all of them because <laughs> um, that is a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, um, but last week tonight with John Oliver won. I love that show. So, you know what I mean? Like, um, all right. Comedy series was Ted Laszlo. Uh, where is it? Lead actress. Lead actress. No. Lead actor. 
Um, and other than that, the award show is weird. Um, oh, the Crown won drama series, and as okay. you and you as you watch through, you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but nice. yes, yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about these trailers real quick. First off, let's talk about Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion. This trailer dropped. <laughs> what, yeah. What did you think of this Disney Plus's Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion? I am excited because I'm a Muppets fan, and we knew about this a long time ago. So what do you think? Yeah, I remember you mentioning it, and uh, I thought just the idea of putting the Muppets into Disney's Haunted Mansion, that just seems like such a perfect fit. Watching the trailer, I definitely still feel that way. Um, I do think the trail trailer leans a lot more towards the Muppets than the Haunted Mansion aspects. <laughs> like, I don't think this is a, a movie that you're going to watch that is going to have jump scares. I don't think you're going to really feel frightened. Not that the Haunted Mansion was ever hardcore horror, but you know, you know what I mean? I think it's uh it's kind of an excuse to put the Muppets in a new setting and just have a lot of hilarious uh, Muppet jokes and bits. And I'm definitely here for that. Um, I also really watching the trailer. I kept thinking of uh, a Muppets Christmas Carol, which is one of my favorite Besides Muppet movies, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, to be honest. And I, I always really liked the way that they had uh, the way that like Jacob and Robert Marley looked in that movie, as well as some of the other ghosts. And I think it's kind of fun to see a lot of these other Muppet characters to be uh, portrayed as ghosts again, because I just think it's something about the uh, the fuzzy Muppet uh, visage of whatever character and, you know, kind of that look while being transparent and having like glowing edges. I just think it's a cool looking effect and it's kind of cool to see that come back. So no, overall, I think this looks really fun. Uh, it looks hilarious. I'm definitely in, uh, what were your thoughts on the trailer? Um, well, I've been a fan of, I, I love the haunted mansion, just the story. I've been a fan of it since I was a kid. Cause our parents had the, uh, had a vinyl and with mm -hmm. the, storybook that you like listen to like you listen to the record while you read through the storybook but the record was awesome anyway yeah uh, on its own i absolutely loved it um i've been to disney and that was one of the first time i went to disney was that was like one of the, the items on my list is i had to do the haunted mansion ride and it was everything it's like like in my mind it was everything it needed to be um it wasn't uh i guess it's the you know, like Disney always does such a great job with that stuff. But my what I mean is like my expectations were met, I guess you could say. I wasn't expecting anything more than it was and I wasn't expecting anything less than it was. Um, it's, okay. exact, it's exactly what I imagined it would be when I went to the to on the ride. Um, well, that's good. <laughs> so I've been so like and knowing Muppets were doing this is awesome. The only thing that um, uh, in terms of a, a great Muppet joke is the in the trailer, they were about to say the word hell and yep. cut and the Muppets like, wait, why, why would you do that? It's a family show. Why would you say <laughs> like that just that cracked me up. Um, but uh, the one thing that bugs me a little bit is the some of the background shots makes it look like there's some CG sets. Yeah, I got that impression well, as well. It kind of bugged me a little bit because Muppets are always phenomenal. <laughs> they, they usually have phenomenal practical sets. Um, mm -hmm. But that's OK. I'm going to watch. I'm going to enjoy that kind of thing. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I'm excited for it. Um, all right. Let's talk about Night Teeth. Yeah. <laughs> this, 
I how about this? I was just scrolling through YouTube and yeah. I uh, stumbled on this trailer. I'm like, what is this night teeth? And I watched the trailer. I'm like, oh, I'm so in for this. <laughs> Basically, it's, so from what I'm gathering, it's an Uber driver that picks up two girls and they want them to drive them around all night to all these parties. And it turns out that these two girls are vampires. Yes. Um, and that just sounds awesome. Um, and just watching the trailer, I'm like, I, we just need a really good vampire movie like this. We haven't, I feel like we haven't had one in a while, so I'm totally in for this. It just looks great. Um, well, so, well, I was going to say when I started watching this trailer, um, I was, so I was watching it and like, you didn't mention like the first half of the trailer almost, it just seems like it's a movie about this Uber driver going around and clubbing with these random girls that he gave a ride to. And I was like, OK, I mean, this looks this looks all right. But I was really confused why you like recommended this to me. Like I was like, OK, I mean, I'm I'm down for a movie like this, but I'm surprised that Drew recommended it. And then the vampire stuff comes into play. And I was like, oh, this looks so much fun. And uh, oh, I'm oh, really tell- why you told me to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. And it just looks like a really fun uh, horror flick. And uh, like I've said, I feel like Netflix is kind of killing it with these uh, sort of like more teen leaning, uh, you know, maybe neon color palette a little bit sort of horror movies Um, like the Fear Street series definitely fits into that aesthetic. And that was a really awesome miniseries, in my opinion. And then they have uh, I think it was last week I was talking about the there's someone inside your house trailer and that movie looks like a lot of fun too. So I think this is, I'm definitely looking forward to this. This is really, this looks like it's going to be really fun. Um, and the only, my only disappointment, and this is kind of a double edged sword is that I kind of wish that I didn't know it was a vampire movie movie, because I think if I watched it on its own and didn't know that you'd have such a, uh, you know, you'd have that, from dusk till dawn experience where randomly (laughs) the movie takes a horror turn and you're just left there dumbfounded. But at the same time, if I didn't know it was a vampire movie, would I even watch this movie when it comes out? You know, it's really hard to say. And that's why I say it's a double edged sword. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I agree with you're saying, because I have a feeling just based on the way the trailer functions is that might've been the intention. Like, dude, you know how, uh, in, you know, like in that pitch meeting, you know how Dust Till Dawn, you didn't know it was a vampire movie to like halfway. <laughs> Maybe we can do yeah. something similar like that to like a modern day. Oh, cool. I have an idea. And then they go mm-hmm. where you have. But you have to sell the movie. And to your point, if it wasn't what it turned out to be in the trailer, I agree with you. I'm not 100 percent sure if I would have watched the movie just based on that first couple like little bits where you're just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because so. it looked it looked well produced and you're like, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd watch this if I had nothing else. But then once the once the vampire and horror horror aspects come in, you're just like, OK, yeah, I'm definitely watching this. This looks fun. So yeah. and it's coming soon, man. So like October is right on the corner. It's about to drop. So I thought that was awesome. Absolutely. Um, all right. And one more trailer that re- this really caught my attention. And I'm like kind of really excited about this is the last duel. Um, yes. What- What do you think of this trailer? Okay, this. Well, first of all, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know if it's based on a book or if it's based on a true story. I have no idea about the story. This trailer looked awesome, though. This, like, looked super epic. Um, It's just really authentic looking, but just really 
I don't know, the aesthetics of this movie just looked so great. All of the uh, because it takes place in medieval times and there's just so much amazing like uh, armor, like just so many awesome armor shots. And I know that sounds goofy, but just sort of like if you want your sort of armor and like castle porn like Like, this is definitely a great movie to go to but the story seemed really interesting as well and i don't know how much i should go into that um but like the story had like it has a number of characters who the trailer really lays out all their motivations really well and it kind of just from the trailer i feel like it really hits you with those emotional beats and you understand how you're going to relate to these characters in the story so that's what i was impressed by by is like yes aesthetically and setting wise and everything this movie just looks badass and epic but also just like i feel like i can already relate to these characters and see where they're coming from and stuff like that um what are your thoughts well um absolutely everything you just said um, I will say this. Let's hit the big names real quick. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer. Those are the four mains. And I yeah. was and I literally as I'm seeing people, I was like, is that oh, my God, is that like <laughs> you just Ben like, Affleck was the most because they showed him in the trailer. And I was like, oh, that's Ben Affleck. And I was like, I've never seen him look like that in a movie. <laughs> right. And then they showed another shot of him. And I was like. Wait, is that Ben Affleck? I honestly can't tell, but uh, no, go on. I just yeah, thought no, that Ben I just, Affleck I was really was like blown away by the cast. Um, you asked saying you didn't know what this was in terms of book, story, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it is based on a true story. Um, it's from director Ridley Scott, who directed uh, oh, Gladi- awesome. for, who directed Gladiator. So, um, yes, Ridley Scott's known for like the Alien series and stuff like that, too. But having him being known for Alien, not sorry, Alien, but having him known for Gladiator, I think is hugely important when you see some of the fighting sequences in this trailer. And it makes me really kind of like, ooh, I can't wait to see this. Anyway, so I looked it up. The last duel is specifically about the final. It's it's basically about Frank. It's it takes place in France and it's about the final death by combat trial. OK, um, that took place in France. Um, and I was just like, oh, that just sounds like reading that part, like just that sentence. When I looked up what the movie was about, I was like, oh, that's the true story. That sounds cool. Like I'm it, like so um, it just looks great. It just looks like that. It looks like that gladiator epicness. Um, but it's going to be medieval times instead of ancient Rome. Um, I don't know. Like I was, I think I watched the trailer like three times. I'm like, dude, I want to see this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, No, no, it looks awesome. And what's funny is you mentioned that this is about the, uh, final, um, death or yeah. Yeah. Duel like trial by duel or trial by death is trial by, um, I guess trial by combat. Yes. Okay. So this is the final situation like that though, from this time period, which is, it's funny that you say that because the movie does seem so epic and it seems like such a crazy situation that they lay out. But when you think about it, if this was the last one, you know, (laughs) this situation wasn't even necessarily that uncommon for the time period. Like stuff like this was probably happening all over the place. And it's just funny to think about, like, I guess uh, how far we've come as a civilization. (laughs) There's not people constantly trying to kill each other over. uh, Well, I I won't go that far, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But no, the movie looks fantastic, and that's one that I'm really, I really want to see. Um, speaking of seeing movies, we are inches closer to uh, Venom coming out. Yes, I have, I have my ticket. I can't wait to oh, see. Oh, nice! It. 
I'm really bummed out that the following weekend, I'm literally looking at my schedule going, how am I going to pull this off? The following weekend after Venom is James Bond, and I'm going to be out of town, so I'm going to have to either figure out how to do it while I'm out of town or come back and see it <laughs> like as soon as I get back. Because I really want to see the, that final Daniel Craig movie, but I want to see it in the big screen. Um, so my wallet's going to be hurting for the next few months because of how they're pumping movies out to the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Anyway, but these these other ones, Night Teeth is going to be on Netflix. Muppets uh, Haunted Mansion will be on uh, Disney Plus, And then the last duel will be a in theaters movie. So um, I just can't wait to see all of them. Um, anyway, you want to talk the news? We got a bunch. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. You want to hear the ridiculous one first? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> all right. Tiger King 2 is on its way. All right. Um, that's the ridiculous one. I was just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you say that and uh, just hearing about it, it's like I feel like there probably is more to that whole story that they could really go and really could, you know, explore. But at the same time, it's kind of like. I don't know. Tiger King. That was like March of 2020. <laughs> like, I kind of feel like I've moved past Tiger King <laughs> in a lot of ways. So I don't really know how to feel about this one. I feel like we've all moved past Tiger King. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk some Cowboy Bebop news. Uh, Cowboy Bebop's going to be hitting Netflix real soon here. Uh, November 12th, 19th, November 19th. Um, did you watch Cowboy Bebop, the anime? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Cowboy Bebop, the anime, and then their Netflix is doing a live action series. This is the cool. This is cool. I'm going to have to rewatch. I might have to see if I can have time to rewatch Cowboy Bebop because the live action show will not be the same story. It will be an expansion to the canon. Interesting. So it's going to basically continue, um, which makes me like even more excited. Um, than rather than being the beat by beat remake of the original. I mean, I would agree with that because I feel like, yeah, the beat by beat remake, there's arguments for whether or not we would even need that. But there's also if you tell the same story, you're never going to make the fans happy, you know. But if you tell if you make a sequel or another story within the same universe, I mean, you have a lot more leeway, I think. So that's actually really interesting and I think kind of good news overall. But uh, like you said, I also kind of makes me want to rewatch Cowboy Bebop. But man, finding the time with all the other (laughs) shows that are dropping and stuff might be a little tricky. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when your kid's not going to let you watch anything. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Good. Good point. (laughs) All right. Now. Coming to theaters, April 15th, 2022, we have a date, is um, Fantastic Beasts, the third film titled The Secrets of Dumbledore. I know you're a Harry Potter fan, so I had to make this, I had to make sure this got in there. I know there's other people that are Harry Potter fans, uh, but I wanted to bring that up like, hey, Fantastic Beasts 3, the title will be Secrets of Dumbledore, (laughs) and it'll be April 15th, 2022. Oh, cool, Uh, cool. I I didn't know if you already said the release date, but I was kind of curious about that. I said at the beginning, yeah, April 15th, tax day. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw there there was like a title card screenshot or whatever for this movie going around. Um, I actually just saw it like shortly before the show today. I um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first Fantastic Beasts movie, and I kind of uh, skipped the second one because of that. But maybe I should just go and 
binge through Fantastic Beasts and then decide if I want to watch this third one from, you know, from there. But uh, no, I guess I guess I thought the first movie kind of missed maybe not missed the marks, but it kind of didn't focus on the elements of, uh, you know, the Harry Potter world that I'm the most interested in. So maybe that was kind of my gripes with it. But, yeah, maybe I need to give it another chance. Um, well, yeah, I don't. Keep go go ahead. I was kind of okay. okay. I feel like I didn't want to interrupt you, but at the same no, time, no, 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 you're good. So I we've been doing this podcast for such a long time that I may have said this in the past. So if I am kind of rehashing something, I apologize. But in all seriousness, just just to kind of give my thoughts on this, I was um I was at work and I had someone. We were talking movies uh, with a friend of mine, and he he didn't really give me an opportunity to argue my point because he was so like hands down harry potter is the greatest film franchise in the history of film <laughs> yeah and i really wanted to argue with him because i felt that not that not that his opinion was wrong that the statement was incorrect and i don't want to say wrong i want to say incorrect because if you're going to say the greatest film franchise of all time you can't just account um for the movies being good you have to account for the fandom whether it be the biggest fan to the cult following <laughs> mediocre fans, you have to account for merchandising. You have to cult, account for pop culture reference. You have to count for, account for impact on the industry, all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like right. there's a lot of factors that go in my head to say, what is the greatest film franchise of all time? Um, and if I put all that stuff into perspective, the franchise I want to point at is star Wars because of the we're almost up to the 50th anniversary of Star Wars, and it's still one of the largest cultural impacted franchises that exist. I could be wrong, but I feel like Star Wars is probably the greatest based on just those factors that I brought up. Um, my thinking in this is that Harry Potter, in my opinion, could have been the next Star Wars in that aspect, but the franchise was mishandled. And when I say that, I mean, they did a shit ton of movies to begin with, and then they didn't really take a break. They started doing, yeah. they started doing fantastic beasts and no one was going, when are we getting more Harry Potter movies? As opposed to us in the dark times, wondering when we're going to get, if we're ever going to get star Wars movies. And then they announced more star Wars movies. And then we all get excited again, whether we like or dislike what came is irrelevant, but look at the look at the anticipating the anticipation power of what the Phantom Menace was. Is my point? Like we weren't begging, we were begging for Star Wars. No one was asking for Harry Potter. That's so. Like I just feel like the franchise was a little mishandled, but it could have been the next Star Wars. Now, if you want to fix that and make Harry Potter the next Star Wars in that aspect of what I'm talking about, you got to have a Harry Potter movie come out with the big three returning with um, Harry, Ron and Hermione have to come back. Do you see what I'm saying? Like those actors have to agree to do it, come back and play their respective roles again. And like the world would crack open with the Harry Potter, not so craziness if that happened. And I know you agree with me on that point. I just, you know, no, I, th I think everything you said is actually really correct. And, um, it's kind of it's one of those things where like I am a Harry Potter fan. Um, like I've read I haven't read like um, 
tales of Beetle the Bard and uh, Fantastic Beasts, but I've read all the proper books and read, uh, you know, the uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. I believe that's what the play was called. And, you know, I, I like those books all like a ton. Um, but the Fantastic Beasts movies, I just didn't get very into. And it's kind of a movie called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, I thought was going to be kind of more of an adventure film, you know, taking place in different exotic locations. And it kind of became more of a I almost want to compare it to like and I know this is being really harsh, but I almost want to compare it to a like night at the museum in the middle of New York city <laughs> sort of movie. And I just okay. wasn't happy with that approach, which is kind of why I've stayed away with the stayed away from those movies since, even though there were some cool aspects in that first fantastic beasts movie. But um, no, I really do agree with everything you said. I think it's hard to argue that when you look at film franchises, like you can say none of the star Wars films are the best film of all time. And I think I would agree with that, but as a whole, like as, as a franchise as a whole, I think for all the reasons you just laid out, I think you really are right on the money. Um, and I do think that if you take movies out of the equation and you just look at book series, I do think Harry Potter does have. And I don't know if I would say it's the be it's the greatest book franchise of all time, but it might be top 10. Like I do think Harry Potter as a book franchise, especially when you look at how big the fandom was and how they've embraced this book series and how the hardcore fans are still embracing it, whether it be within online communities and just rereading the books ad nauseum and stuff. I do think that um, a lot of what you said it takes to make a great movie franchise. I think Harry Potter really proves that uh, as far as a book franchise goes, but your criticisms on it as a movie franchise I definitely am right there with you, if that all makes sense. And I 100% agree with you about the book point you just mm -hmm. made. I just, yeah, you're going to be the greatest franchise of all time. You have to impact not just pop, you're not just culture, but the industry, the special effects, the moving everything forward. Like you need to impact it on those levels, not just a group of people saying that the movies are great. Yeah. And, and as far as impact and culture, like I think Harry, like the Harry Potter movies did, but I think it's because the books did like right. if the books didn't exist. I don't think the movies would have impacted culture right. that much that as well as I could. Have. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, so Nintendo dropped an announcement today. Um, super Mario brothers, the animated film is heading to theaters. Um, December, so Christmas of 2022. Um, this got me like all kinds of excited because of the cast. So check this out. Chris P Pratt will be playing Mario. Anya Taylor, <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy is Princess Peach. Uh, Anya nice. Taylor from uh, Queen's Gambit. Uh, Jack Black is playing Bowser. Okay. Uh, Keegan Michael Key um, is Toad. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Um, the one that got me the most excited is Charlie Day is playing Luigi. <laughs> okay. Um, but the cast is just, oh, that's awesome. I was just excited when I saw the cast. <laughs> so. No, that's that sounds hilarious. Um, no, I think 
Super Mario Brothers, I've always loved those games and that world especially. I think I knew they were making an animated movie, but I kind of forgot. So this is actually really wow. exciting news. It's already better than the um, live action film that we got. So I think we're good. <laughs> so there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I will say, like, we're at a point where, um, I don't know, after the Sonic movie came out and... Um, Detective Pikachu and stuff. I feel like we're in this weird and, you know, even like Mortal Kombat and stuff. We're kind of at a point where they're starting to do video game movies right, which is really cool. So I have high hopes for this one. Or, Hopefully it won't let me down. Um, all right. So let's talk about some Marvel and Disney stuff. So Disney Plus. Um, so n- November 12th has been deemed Disney Plus Day. Uh, <laughs> OK, OK. <laughs> They are going to have a ton of special announcements and things dropping on Disney Plus that day. For example, Shang-Chi will be available to watch on Disney Plus on November 12th. Oh, There's going to be a bunch of Muppet stuff dropping. There's going to be a bunch of Disney stuff dropping. Um, there's going to be a Star Wars. Um, what's it called? There's going to be a special Star Wars uh, documentary dropping. It's, it sounds like it's going to be like upcoming Star Wars. It's going to be like a documentary plus upcoming, like a sizzle reel of all the new stuff coming. So we're probably going to get stuff for Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Andor series, hopefully Rogue Squadron, like like updates on all this stuff. There's also going to be one for Marvel. And with all the shows coming out and all the new movies coming out, there's going to be a Marvel one. So hopefully we can maybe get some Fantastic Four news, maybe some insight on what the plans to X-Men are. A whole bunch of stuff is going to be dropping on Disney Plus that day. Um, Sweet. So I wanted to bring that up. So November 12th, mark your calendars on that. Uh, Big stuff for both properties. I'm excited for that. I was like, ooh, that's going to be cool. It'll be like a little Disney Plus virtual conference, I guess you could say. Um, Star Wars Trilogy. This is an interesting one. Star Wars Trilogy editor... Uh, Marsha Lucas, who Oscar Oscar winning editor of the original Star Wars film, was not happy with the Disney sequel. She says, wow. and I and I quote, they don't get it. And J.J. Abrams is writing this. When I saw that movie where they killed Han Solo, I was furious. I was furious when they killed Han. Absolutely, positively, there was no rhyme or reason to it. I thought, you don't get the Jedi story. You don't get the magic of Star Wars at all. You're getting rid of Han Solo. Um, like, And she goes on. like She is not happy. Now, whether you like or dislike the movie, movies, there are parts of the sequel trilogy that I disagreed with, but I'm not the filmmaker. I'm not the writer. Um, there's some parts of the sequel trilogy that I really, really liked. And I thought they really held true to things, but it's just interesting to hear one of the original, um, uh, people who worked on it didn't like it to the flip side of it. She did not like the Phantom Menace. Okay. Um, she said that I remember when I went to see episode one, I remember going out to the parking lot, <laughs> sitting in my car and crying. Uh, (laughs) so she didn't like phantom menace that's fine it's just she like her big thing is like she just like when you read through the article her big takeaway was that the people who made that sequel trilogy just did not understand the magic of star wars and how to give the magic to everybody um so i just thought that was it was just kind of an interesting article to read you can check it out um but i had to i had to bring that up so yeah it's it's really interesting um i've definitely heard people criticize uh the sequel trilogy just from like 
cinematography standpoints and stuff, whether it be like how the movies are shot, where like whether they're um, incorporating enough of the backgrounds and environments into the shots and stuff, as well as like um, like I know I've heard people talk about like the last shot of um, The Force Awakens, how instead of it being like a static shot, like most Star Wars movies ends, like it's this sweeping uh, circular shot of Luke and Rey on Octu and how that just felt like it didn't go with other Star Wars movies. And I think, um, I don't know, hearing an editor criticize these movies is definitely interesting because, you know, she's paying attention to a completely different set of things like visually and stuff like that. And, uh, it's, yeah, it is, it is pretty interesting. I kind of, uh, want to look this up to kind of know if she goes into more detail, but it sounds like she's just flat out saying they don't get it, which is, I mean, we're not going to say she's right or wrong, but I definitely think it is interesting, especially when you take the editing into the movie, you know, editing of the movies into account. Yeah. And I've actually like, and I've, and I've always liked JJ Abrams work. And then the more, and see, what's interesting is, is when I watch a movie, I study it. And when I say that, most people I know watch movies one time through and that's it. I watch movies several times through because I just love films and I love movies and I want to, like, digest them. Um, so, like, a lot of times, especially with Star Wars, I watch the movie and then I have to watch it a second time to actually watch the movie because you can't, yeah. you watch a new Star Wars film, you can't blink for two hours. Um, so I watch the movie and then I watch it a second time to actually watch it. Then I have to watch it a third time to pay attention to the actors. I have to watch it a fourth time to watch the background. I have to watch it a fifth time to see if there's anything I missed. You see what I'm saying? Like you start studying these movies. My frustration with the Abrams film, so that would be Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, is that he shoots everything so tight that there are certain sequences where I'm just like, if it was a George Lucas film, I would have been able to see everything in that shot. Even if it was a quick shot, I would have been able to see everything. And Abrams shoots so tight sometimes that there's like, you guys spent so much money putting the armor on those stormtroopers and I can barely see them in the shot. You know? Um, yeah. Like, especially those new Sith troopers, you barely get to see them. The new Sith TIE fighters, you barely get to see them. Um, they, he shoots so tight and the shots are so quick. It's just like everything's moving too fast. And I'm like, that's not like the speed and intensity is great, but it's not Star Wars. And that's that's my criticism. I still like the movies as a whole, but there are things that I, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, I definitely agree, which is kind of what I was saying, like, uh for me, I feel like the especially in Force Awakens, I feel like the different environments weren't shown off enough, you know, where we sure. went to all these different planets and we saw them. But I didn't feel like the same way I did in the original trilogy or even the prequels where a lot of these different planets and environments they go to, they really showcase the plant life and the animal life and the topography of where these characters are. And you really felt like you were you were there with them. And I didn't necessarily get that sense from the uh, the sequel trilogy as much as I would have hoped. So um, but it is what it is. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I could make a better Star Wars movie myself, oh, but me. it definitely is interesting to hear, you know, these criticisms. Yeah. Now, um, let's talk about a movie that uh, we all want to see, and that's Spider-Man 3. Um, this is the last piece of news I got for you. And okay. I'm going to give a quick warning. 
this very well could be a spoiler. Um, All right. I am not 100 percent sure, but it could be a spoiler. Um, Topher Grace, who played Venom in Spider-Man 3, was asked by a Reddit user if he was in Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. Um, and this is quote for quote, um, Topher Grace's answer. All right. He says, please keep it between us, but yes, I'm in it. (laughs) I'm not done. He said this on Reddit. He said this on Reddit. He said, (laughs) please please keep this between us. Like, okay, keep going. Yeah, please keep this between us. But yes, I'm in it. The plot starts with Peter Parker, Tom Holland, bummed that everyone knows his identity, and then some crazy shit happens with Doctor Strange and Doctor Octopus. Alfred Molina comes into his dimension. Then Electro and the Green Goblin hop out of one of those crazy circles, and they're all like, hey, it's spider stomping time. Then Tom Hardy and I pop in and out, battle each other. I win, by the way. It's not like even a fight. I just kick his ass immediately. Not to give too much away, but there are also some actors from the original 70s Spider-Man show, Aquaman and Batman, Affleck, not <laughs> crossover, and thanks to Disney, Han Solo's ghost from Rise of Skywalker, and that evil robot from WALL-E. Again, please keep this between us. <laughs> nice. That's beautiful. <laughs> so, like I said, that could be a spoiler. We'll see. <laughs> uh Patton Oswalt's character from Parks and Rec's mind is just completely blown right now. Um, no, that that's awesome. When he said keep this between us, I was like, really on Reddit? But no, that's really hilarious. Um, I love that Topher Grace is like, you know, he's the nerdy kid from that 70s show. And now he's going on to uh, troll all of us and re-edit all of our favorite movies. And uh, it's just a crazy world we live in right now. <laughs> it's great. All right. Well, how about this, man? That's it for the news. Let's talk about uh, the list tonight, shall we? Yeah, let's go for it. Awesome. Um, well, in that case, Peter, do me. I'm sorry, Peter. You don't control that that uh, sound effect. <laughs> Ryan, do me a favor and roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter. Tonight is uh, this was your pick, man. So uh, what um, you want to explain your thought process to this? Yeah, even though I don't possess the ability to roll things, I can talk about tonight's list. And uh, what I'm what we're doing tonight was uh, our top five favorite movie party scenes. And this is just kind of a really random list that I picked because uh it was my birthday this past weekend and I was like, Hmm, I want to do something birthday related. And I was like, we'll do movie party scenes, you know, drew one week, you picked our top five uh, dinner scenes from movies. And uh, I thought this was kind of along the same lines. And I think it was a, I think it's a topic that has a huge span of different kinds of movies we can talk about. So I just thought this would be kind of fun to go into. And I'm kind of really just curious what you came up with this time. All right. So I found this incredibly difficult. Um, I found this incredibly difficult because I don't think the Internet understood what I meant when I said list of movie party scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Just and I only Googled it that way because I was like, I wrote down probably 15 movie party scenes that I got off the top of my head. Yeah. But I'm like, I know this stuff that I'm missing. So I Googled that. 
to see what I'm missing. And then they, the internet does not understand that question basically, because it was all, it was the same like list of 10 movies and none of which I would have put on my list. <laughs> yep. No, I absolutely agree with you there. Cause I did the same thing. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I've seen 16 candles, but I don't think that's that good of a party scene. You know what I mean? And so there's like, and great Gatsby, I've seen the movie, but eh, okay. You know, I don't think they understood what you and I were focusing on. Um, there is one movie that I'm pretty sure we probably uh, match on and the rest I one movie and one movie possibly we match on the rest of them. I don't know what's going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, I do. It is kind of funny um, just because you were talking about the different movie party scenes you're seeing online. And I think you and I drew are probably thinking of movies we like that have parties in them. And we're trying to think of uh, either just really clever uh, gags that happen, or maybe there's like a really good sort of beginning, middle end sequence that tells like a really cool story in this movie party or something like that. But I think some of the people, if you ask them this question, they would just be like, well, I just wanted to, I just like the 16 candles one. Cause I just want to be at that party. And they don't necessarily think of like, Think of it as far as like a story or cinematography sense or anything like that. So maybe that's where the disconnect is. Uh, just something that popped in my head right now. But well, uh, I feel bad then because like, there's a couple of these that I just wanted to be at that party. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's perfectly fine, too. There's nothing wrong with that. I just was trying to figure out what the disconnect was. But um, um, do you have any honorable mentions? I have two, actually. You always have two. Um, <laughs> I have I have one because I and honestly, I until like earlier tonight before we sat down to do this, I didn't have any honorable mentions. And I was like, oh, wait. And then, you know, so I just um, yeah, I, I found this list hard and I almost walked in with no honorable mentions. So, OK, so you have, you have one kind of plays back and forth properly. Yeah. So um, the one issue I was having with this list is. It is a pretty unique list, but I realize a lot of the movies I ended up picking we've talked about before. So I'll try to because this first pick of mine is definitely one that I've talked about on the podcast before and specifically the scene. So I'll keep it pretty short, but uh, I picked the uh, the movie Man Thing. It's based off of Marvel's Man Thing, and it kind of takes the character of Man Thing and turns him into a sort of be horror villain about this like cool environmental sort of horror story that happens in these swamps of, I believe Louisiana, but I think it might be ambiguous where exactly, you know, this movie's located, but the very opening scene of this movie uh, takes place at this sort of back backwoods drinking party in this uh, swamp area that these people live in. And it's kind of just a bunch of like hillbilly sort of uh, characters out there, you know, drinking beer and partying around the bonfire and stuff. And uh, two of the characters uh, end up going off into the woods to, uh, you know, it's a guy and a girl. They're going to go off and hook up or whatever it is. Uh, I won't go into detail there, but they end up getting attacked by man thing while they're out there in the woods. And the way that it plays out is both. It's definitely not safe for work. It's definitely really gruesome and gory, but it's also really hilarious and entertaining in sort of a B movie way. It's one of the, if you like, B, B horror movies and like this movie, I actually think is pretty good. But if you do like that sort of over the top, sometimes so bad, it's good sort of uh, 
sort of movies like that. This movie has one of the best openings for like that kind of movie. And I'll leave it there. It's just really funny and entertaining. This would definitely be a good movie to watch in a group. But uh, yeah, that's my first scene. Um, Yeah. And I don't you know what? I don't know if I remember the man thing party sequence. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's literally like the opening. You know how like horror movies, they always have to have the opening scene where something scary happens and then they go on to tell them the main story. That's basically what this is. But it starts at this like backwoods sort of bonfire party. And it's it's pretty funny how everything okay. plays out. Sure. OK. Um, yeah. All right. That's cool. All right. So my first one, my 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 only honorable mention for tonight, this is a party I definitely would want to be at um, just because it looks fun. But ultimately, I don't want to be at because it's not the party you want to be at when you look at the big picture. And that is the Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza in the movie Die Hard. (laughs) Oh, this is a good that's a good shout. I didn't even think about Die Hard. Uh Yeah, that's a really good one. It's a party that I think would be really fun to be at. But at the end of the day, probably not. Uh, But yeah, that Christmas party uh, in Die Hard. Uh-huh. It'd be a fun party to be at and then leave early, I guess. But uh, no, that's definitely <laughs> yeah, it. No, I, I got to go. You like you're watching, the box, you know, on the terrace or in the show because you've seen the movie a thousand times. I got to get out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was that's my honorable mention. I don't have too much more to say about it other than that. So nice. OK, uh, so, so what's your final honorable mention. Yeah. So moving into my next one, I went with another opening scene to one of my favorite movies, and that is the opening scene of Fanboys, where it starts out at the uh, at the Halloween party. What's that? What were you saying? Right on. Yeah. And uh, I just love this scene, mostly for the you know, it's like this late 90s Halloween party that's going on. And all of a sudden you have um, you have uh, let's see if I can. You have Windows, Hutch and um, I can't remember the other other guy's name, uh, which I'm sure you remember, Drew. But they all all three of them walk in dressed as Darth Vader and two stormtroopers. And I just love the juxtaposition of them walking into this party thinking they look so badass and they basically just get booed as soon as they enter. Like they make this big epic entrance and everybody's like, boo, you wore those costumes last year and stuff. And I just love that whole uh, the whole juxtaposition really cracks me up. But usually when I'm in party situations like that, I tend to gravitate towards the, uh, you know, the weird nerds that I can go talk to star Wars and nerdy stuff, as opposed to trying to be maybe the life of the party. So I kind of love that scene too. Cause I'm like, yeah, I mean, if I was at that party, I'd probably be talking to those guys <laughs> not with them as opposed to anybody else who was there. So, uh, yeah, Drew, do you have any thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, this, this is a great party sequence, and this is definitely a party that I want to be at. And like, I I would. It's funny because like, if I could afford it, I would have been the guys walking in with the uh, stormtrooper costumes. Absolutely. But I love. But I love when he walks into the stormtrooper costume, and people are like booing him, like you guys wore those last year, and he's getting caught in like the the like hanging things on the on the doorway. <laughs> like his armor's just getting caught. <laughs> like, can't get through. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I just I I, I want to hang out with those guys anyway and just sit and talk Star Wars all day long. So. Absolutely. And I feel bad that I forgot, but it was yeah, it was, it's Hutch, Windows and Linus are the three, uh, yeah, yeah. three who walk in. And I, I can't believe I forgot, forgot Linus, but it's just been too long since I've watched that movie. And I uh, I'm due for a rewatch, I guess. Yeah. And no, that's OK that you uh, 
Yeah, all right. So this brings me to my first actual pick of the night, huh? Yes. All right. So my first one, this is a party that this is a party scene that I've always really liked. Um, and that is the um, the movie Batman Returns. And it's the end, like, costume ball or whatever happens later on in the movie that uh, uh, Batman and Catwoman meet each other. Um, yeah. They, they kind of learn each other's secrets that that's who they each other are. Um, I've always really, really liked <laughs> that party sequence for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. the, the music that plays in it, like the whole thing, just I always really liked it. Um, there's nothing real fancy about it. I just I always liked that sequence. Um, and I love that exchange when Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer realize who each other are. And mm-hmm. then they have that pause and they like go back to dancing. And she's like, do we got to start fighting? Like, <laughs> such a cool like it's just a cool, really touching moment. Uh, but, yeah, that's the sequence. Now, that's yeah. another one you don't necessarily want to be at because the penguin busts in and breaks up the party. <laughs> but. Yeah, I was going to say this one. Man, um, I, as I look at the next one on my list, it's just another violent party. Anyway, <laughs> um, this one is uh, it, I mean, it's Tim Burton doing a costumed ball. So you definitely know that just visually there's a lot of just cool cons, uh, costumes and set work and stuff in there. But I definitely agree with you. I do love uh it's been a bit since I've watched Batman Returns, but last time I watched it, I really did appreciate that sort of, um, you know, those uh, lines of dialogue leading up to Batman and uh, Catwoman realizing who each other are. And I think it was it's just kind of a cool um, just for a plot point. Like, I think that scene really accentuates that really well. So, uh, yeah, definitely a good pick. Um, all right, man. What's your next one? OK, so trying to figure out. OK just like what order I want to do, but I'll go with one that we've talked about quite a bit on the show. So we don't have to go too far on and on about it, but I picked the uh, graduation party sequence from uh, the movie Euro trip. And this is the one that includes that infamous, um, you know, Matt Damon fronting a punk band singing Scotty doesn't know. And that ends up being the running gag throughout the movie. This party is not only like a party that I would want to be at, like it looks super fun, but There's so many good scenes like I love the like I just mentioned, the Scotty doesn't know part. And then there's the other part where the main character's friend ends up like stumbled, stumbling into the hot tub with the one girl. And he does the whole like this isn't where I parked my car thing. And there's just so many funny gags and lines from that whole scene that I just I just love it. But like I said, we've talked about this movie ad nauseum, so I don't want to go on and on too much about this one. I I feel bad because I didn't uh, remember this. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not 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 that I didn't remember the movie. I forgot about that party sequence and I'm just kind of now looking at my list going, damn it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, so let's talk about my next violent one real quick. Because I nice. agree, I agree with you that Euro Trip Party. That's uh, that's a good. Um, the next one is the party at the beginning of Avengers: Age of Ultron. Uh, yes, we matched on this one. Oh, we did. <laughs> yes, we expected the match on. <laughs> no, it's it's too good. I'd, it like it, it was one of the last ones I picked for my list, but I was like, no, it's too good. It just has to make it. So uh, no, keep going though. That's a. First off, this is a party I want to be at. Secondly, I just want oh, for sure. I want to hang out at the bar with uh, Black Widow. That just sounds like with her making drinks and stuff. That just mm-hmm. I, I really like that sequence. But the part that really got me 
gets me in that sequence is the end of the party before Ultron comes in and trashes everything. <laughs> um, uh, like, well, we have terrorist and die hard. You have terrorist wreck and everything. And then Batman returns, you have the penguin wreck and everything. And in this one, you have the Ultron wreck and everything. Yeah. Um, but no, before Ultron comes in and they're basically doing the pick up the pick up the hammer thing. Um, what I really like about that is at the end of the night, there's always the couple people that hang out to the very tail end of the party and everyone's just having drinks and having a good time and enjoying themselves. And, uh, they're just laughing about something and, Hey, let's try if we can pick up the hammer, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so I just, it's that sequence. It's that, you know, and I love that bit where black widow were like, you want to try? And she's like, I don't need to know the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a great sequence. And, uh, no, I feel like that sequence is the best part of this party. And also, uh, it, I mean, it obviously goes on to, uh, actually have a payoff in, uh, Avengers Endgame, which is super cool. Um, my other, the other moment that I really like from this whole sequence is, uh, uh, Stan Lee getting super messed up, up off of Asgardian liquor. Like, I think that's just a really great cameo they had in there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a great sequence. Um, that's probably, and you know, I, uh, I know I'm in the minority, but I really liked the age of Ultron movie in as a whole. Um, you know what, when I first saw it, I, um, I don't I like I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as the Avengers and maybe some of the previous films. But I was rewatching it just like a month ago or so, and I was actually enjoying it a lot. And I was like, this is actually a lot better than I remembered. So, um, no, I'm definitely with you there. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, I guess that rolls back to me, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is a hard one. This is almost a cheat because the whole movie's a party. And uh, that is the movie Can't Hardly Wait. So this movie didn't make my list because the entire movie is a party. But I mean, that also means most scenes from this movie technically are party scenes. I'm kind of curious what you picked. Well, no, I mean, there's not really like one specific sequence. (laughs) And and that's why I said it's kind of a cheat. But it's the the movie is literally about it's like the last day of school, seniors graduating, that kind of thing. And everyone's going over to the, the one girl invited the entire school to her house for a party. And hilarity ensues but i mean you have these great moments like you have the moment where the kid's like oh i recognize this song that douchebag made me uh, listen to it when i tutored him in math and he gets up there all <laughs> drunk and starts singing paradise city and then yeah. you have a sequence where the guy gets locked in the bathroom with the girl and he's like man this isn't where i want to be and then you have like the two nerds trying to get into the party up on the rooftop like there's so many like little bits like yes it's one big party but there's, there's these tiny little bits here and there that just make it this giant epic teen movie party sequence um as a whole it's almost like a two-hour party sequence if you will uh yeah even the even the parts at the end when it's like (laughs) everyone's picking up the pieces and they're all like uh i guess the walk of shame moment and like a handful of them are at the diner like just waking up having coffee and getting their breakfast (laughs) yeah Um, you know that too so there's just these tiny little sequences all sprinkled throughout that really catch my attention um and then the and then one of them, probably my favorite moment in the entire movie, and it's just this little throwaway moment, but I never I never stop laughing at it, is the part where um, Jennifer Love Hewitt, she wants to know 
who Preston is. She cannot figure out who Preston is. She's been it's been bugging her the whole movie, and she finally asks one of the guys. And Jason Siegel's just sitting there on the chair with his buddy. They're clearly like high on something, and she's like, and he's like, dude, you don't know who Preston is? He's like, he's tall. He's got hair. He wears T-shirts sometimes. And she goes, so he's tall. He's got hair and he wears T-shirts sometimes. And Jason Siegel goes, yeah, but you got to know Preston. (laughs) Uh, That'll always make me laugh because of how vague of a description that is. Um, But yeah, anyway, so I know I know it's a cheat, but I I couldn't not talk about this when you said party scenes. I'm like, the whole movie is a party. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely but it's definitely uh everything you said i agree with and it's definitely a great pick because of all those reasons and uh i like how you highlighted the diner sequence at the end because i i never think about it but we've all been there like we've all had those uh you know those we've all been to like a party and stuff where you stay up late and you party with your friends and maybe you had a good time maybe you didn't but at the end of the night or the next morning you end up going to the local diner and just hanging out and talking and honestly like for me some of my favorite moments of my you know late teens early 20s were those diner moments as opposed to the (laughs) big party moments so uh, it's kind of cool that they focused on that and it actually like thinking about diners not to open a whole nother can of worms but it's kind of reminding me of uh i feel like pineapple express did such a good job uh with the whole like diner sequence at the end but they just took (laughs) it down like this crazy different road (laughs) that you didn't expect (laughs) yeah that diner sequence at the end was hysterical Uh, (laughs) all right um i'm gonna kick it back to you um yes so what do you got so your number your third pick for the night Yes. So I am going to go with one that I don't think we're going to match on, but it's one of my favorite movies. And that movie is super bad. And uh, there's actually two parties in this movie. There's one party at the end where, you know, Seth and Evan and McLovin finally get to their high school party and they've got the booze and they meet everybody and they party all night. And it's a good time. And that that's a good scene. But my favorite party scene from the movie is actually the scene that's like halfway through that it's after the uh, the cops end up picking up uh, Fogel, also known as McLovin, and they kind of take him away. And Seth and Evan are really freaked out because they think that McLovin just got arrested. And uh, this is the party scene. Um, <laughs> is this the adult party they get to by mistake? Absolutely. Because, okay. Yep, absolutely. Because it's it's where the uh, there's like the creepy guy who ends up hitting Michael Sarah's character. And then uh, Jonah Hill's character is just like, you better either give us a ton of money or a ton of alcohol or we're going to call the cops. He's like, no, you can't do that, man. You can't do that, man. And he ends up taking them to the party of like 20 and 30 somethings, you know, the adult party they end up going to. And there's just so many great gags. There's just so many funny bits like there's a whole part about you know, Seth's in the basement and he ends up filling like two laundry detergent containers with like a ton of Corona uh, beers because he thinks that's a good idea for some reason. And there's the part where Michael, Michael Sarah gets locked into uh, this room with a bunch of guys that he doesn't know. And he ends up having to, because of a misunderstanding, he ends up having to like sing to them to yeah, appease yeah, yeah. them so they don't beat him up. And, so, and there's just so many bits. And then there's also the part where, uh, 
the guy who works at the liquor store that uh, Fogle went to earlier in the movie who like really hated his job. And there's some funny gags in there. He ends up going to this same party later and stuff. And I just love the uh, the dichotomy of like two high school kids who are in over their heads at this adult party, as well as just all the like just hilarious gags that go on. It's just it's just great. So uh, that's why that makes my next pick. I also love the part of that party when. Uh, um. Jonah Hill gets the blood on his pants. <laughs> and yeah. the, way, the way he reacts to it is so funny. He starts like dry heaving when he realizes what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, such a great, great sequence. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So here's the um, here's the next movie. And this is the one that I expected us to match on. And that is uh, Grandma's Boy. Oh, this made my short list. It didn't make my final, but okay. I, yeah, this is a great yeah the party as well. Party at his grandma's house. Um, talk about a party that would be really fun to go to and really bizarre to go to. But like, <laughs> they covered everything. Like they have the people playing video games in the corner. You got the bikers in the bar in the kitchen, like just chatting while you know grandma's making ice cream sandwiches, for example. Literally, ice cream on bread. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it's bizarre and quirky. And then, um, yeah, and then like doing the shots and the karaoke. And like I was like, this is totally like such a fun party to go to. And it's one of those like impromptu parties. Like it's not a party like in Can't Hardly Wait. The girl's like, I don't come over to my house for an after school party. She clearly planned the party. Avengers at Ultron. The party was planned. Super bad. The party was planned. They just took a lot of turns getting there. Grandma's boy is a like, hey. Uh, we're all up, not doing anything. Let's just start inviting people over and the party, <laughs> goes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what I, that's one thing I love about it because it definitely, it's definitely something that could happen, but I do watch that movie and I'm a little bit like, okay, these are a bunch of video t- game tester guys. And then they throw a party and all of a sudden all these like punk rockers and bikers <laughs> start showing up and it's just a little bit rid- like, it's one of those like. TV parties where like there's got to be a guy with a mohawk that shows up for some reason, even though in real life that probably wouldn't happen. But at the same time, it could happen like Stranger Things had have happened. So I just thought I think this party is really amusing. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. It's funny that you say that because all these people are like walking into his grandma's house. He's like, dude, where do you find all these people? And he's like, who are all these people? And Dante's like, it's all right, bro. They're just people. You and me. <laughs> you're right. That's what it is. It's Dante. And invi- OK, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that part. But you're right. Dante invited. A lot of them. Yeah. And it's like they're just people like you and me, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I, I'm, I'm a little bummed because I totally expected us to match, but it's all good. No, we 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 just totally almost did. But there's a couple other party scenes that I just wanted to pick before this one. But it's definitely it. The thing is, it's definitely a great scene and there's so many hilarious parts, but I don't know if there's like one really big, amazing thing that happened in it where it had to make my list. But I definitely like it almost did make my list, you know. Right. Um, all right, man. What uh, I guess what's your number, your second, your next pick of the night? Right. OK, so this one, I don't know if we'll match it all, but I went with uh, Scream, uh, yeah. the party scene towards the end where it's. It's kind of just a bunch of teenagers getting together and uh, I think having some drinks and uh, watching horror movies. And it's kind of this like probably just a makeshift Halloween sort of party. But uh, 
it almost I feel like it's like the last the like entire last act of the movie just takes place around this party because you have the killer who's slowly picking people off throughout this whole sequence. And um, I just all I just really love the the horror aspects like that that go on. But I also like really appreciate this sequence because I feel like there's a lot of meta you know, like meta horror movie dialogue that go on in this movie before this party. And when I say meta, I just mean it's the characters like almost acknowledging that they're in a horror movie and discussing these killings and stuff as if it was a horror movie. And it's very it's very self-aware. But I feel like this party is where that stuff all kind of comes to fruition, where you have Jamie Kennedy's character who's watching the horror movies with everybody. And he has like this kind of really fun narration of the different movies they're watching. And he starts introducing like the different rules to a horror movie and what you have to do to survive and stuff. And that centered around the killer, you know, picking off different characters as this sort of party's going on. I just really love that. Yeah. And, um, that this movie made my short list in terms of that party. Um, it, aside from the killer, that would definitely be a fun party to be at. Um, but uh, like, and there's great moments, especially when he's teasing, uh, you know, when the um, God, I, I want to I, Randy is the movie guy. Um, he's giving him the rules for, you know, what you don't do in a horror movie, like how you survive a horror movie. And he says, and you don't and you never say I'll be right back. And that's right when Matthew Lewis like, I'll be right back and like disappears down the hallway. Um, <laughs> these little, there's there's another there's other great little moments in that sequence. Uh, yeah, this movie made my short list, but I was like, I wasn't sure if I could pull the trigger on it being on the list list for the night. So. Thinking, thinking back to it, it does seem like it is somewhere between a party and like a just to get together of friends. Like, I feel like it's not a crazy rager party like you see in a lot of other movies. And maybe that, uh, maybe that's kind of held you back a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's no, it's no project X party. You what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So my last pick, and I knew we weren't going to match on this. Um, and this is, uh, there's, a, there's several parties within this movie, but I'm specifically focusing on one. Um, this is the movie ski school. Um, have you seen Ski School? I've maybe seen parts like a really long time ago, so not really. <laughs> I, I have a soft spot for ski, any movie that has skiing in it. And the Ski School movies are very, very 80s ski movies. Um, and it's all like the partying on the mountain and stuff like that. Um, there's several between the two movies. There's several parties that take place. And a lot of the times it's the uh, you have like the ski instructors are like the villains of the movie. And then you have the party guys who are the ski bums who just want to hang out and ski and have a good time and party and stuff. And the, and the uh, ski patrol doesn't like it. So they're always trying to shut them down. But the, the party guys are always trying to like mess up. Basically, anytime like the ski patrol guys are like getting together for a gathering, they're like, well, how do we like rage this up? And like, I was trying to like, they would, like <laughs> nice. do like stuff. Um, they always do stuff to like ha- cause a party to happen. And then they're all like, what? How do we shut this down? Like, you know, it's it's kind of messed up <laughs> in terms of a plot. And you're just like the movie. No, the movie's fantastic. It's really <laughs> fun in terms of comedies. But there's a specific party that always stands out with me with the ski school series. And that's one that happens in a bar. And they go in the main character, like they get this party going in this bar and then it becomes like one of those like rager parties, like within this bar. And (laughs) 
the main character be, uh, starts making drinks. He starts helping the bartender and he's making drinks, but he doesn't know what he's doing. So like people <laughs> are coming up and just like ordering a drink and he's just throwing stuff in a glass and sliding across the bar to him. Like he's just like, they're like just naming random stuff and it's just like making the drinks. Like it's like really bizarre names. And I, and unfortunately I don't remember like any of them um, because they're, they're really fast. Like make me this. And he just kind of like, makes his stuff and hands it to him like he doesn't know what he's doing it's very clear there was one drink <laughs> there was one drink where he starts mixing he pauses grabs the bar rag rings it out in the drink and hands it to the guy <laughs> dear um, god <laughs> yeah, no, it's, just, it's such a funny it's just a funny funny party sequence um but no that's um ski school is one of those movies that just kind of like you know uh has a special place in my heart in terms of like uh, comedies. So I was when you when you mentioned party scenes, the first two movies I thought of were Ski School and Grandma's Bowl. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. No, that that sounds hilarious, and um, I think I went to one or two parties in college that had bartenders like that, <laughs> <laughs> where you asked for something, but there's no telling what you actually got. So, um. But yeah, uh, unless you have more on that, I could move into my no, no, final no, pick. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so my final pick, I went with a weird one, but I went with the movie Cloverfield. Um, because if you think back on this movie, it's like the entire first act kind of takes place around this uh, this party that all the characters go to. And oh, uh, this, yeah, okay. And and this movie is like a uh, it's like a first person point of view sort of movie where it's all shot from the same camera, and uh, you have um, I. I don't know why every time we record the podcast, I, I blank on actors names, but uh, you have the, the guy who's uh, who's tasked with holding the camera and kind of just filming the party. And he goes around and interviews different people. And that whole sequence, I feel like, is edited so well where they they really do a good job of introducing you to so many different characters and building those characters and showing where everybody's coming from, where everybody's at. And it's like, it's a really funny sequence too. And it's one of those ones that when you first watch the movie, you're just like, okay, they're at a party, whatever. He's talking to this person and that person. But then when you rewatch it, you actually kind of appreciate not only the humor, but just how well of a foundation that they built for all the characters in that movie during that sequence. And I really do think they did a good job of it while also having that sort of, um, I don't know. I guess I guess they had like a, it, it just seemed like a really fun setting. You know, is this kind of like urban? Like, I think the movie takes place in New York and it seems like it seemed like a fun kind of chill party to be at. So um, that fits into it as well. Like, I'd like to be at this party, but I just think as a first act, I just think this party laid such a good foundation for the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I when as soon as you said Cloverfield, I couldn't for the life of me remember what party was in Cloverfield. Yeah. And it all starts at a party. So and then it kind of goes from there. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So, man, and I don't remember the movie well enough to kind of comment on uh, the party sequence. I oh, just, I, I, I will say it was. um I'm pretty sure it was T.J. Miller's character who was uh, tasked with holding the camera and filming everything. And he's just hilarious in that movie as well, uh, while also being just a really relatable character, too. But 
I don't know why as on the show, every time I need to remember an actor's name, I just forget. And I can't believe I forgot TJ Miller right now, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes that happens. You know, what's funny is when I'm listening to like, let's say I'm listening to like a morning show on regular radio and yeah. they can't remember an actor in a movie. I'm always like screaming at the radio going, you idiot. Like you, I know you have a laptop. <laughs> And then here we are every now and then, like, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, I could just look it up. And, like, it's it's so funny that I, I say that and then I'm like, you know, I yell at the I yell at the radio all the time for the same reasons. <laughs> uh, I remember there's an old episode of The Nerdist where uh, they were talking about the never ending story. And they're like, yeah, and what's the horse's name who dies in that movie? And they were talking about it for like 10 minutes straight, like trying to figure out what the horse's name was. And I'm just sitting there listening to it like our tax. It's our idiots. <laughs> I think it happens with it happens at least once in every podcast for sure. Yeah, so. and in seriousness, dude, if you how do you not remember Artex, dude? And if you didn't cry when Artex died, spoilers, uh, you're pretty much dead inside, I guess. <laughs> this could be a good. Is your next is next week's pick the top five movie scenes to cry to? Because that'd be a great segue. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, it's a good segue. You brought that up so we can uh, close this episode out. Um, this week. Um, because you made me do party scenes, I was thinking about this, um, and I think there's a good chance that we're going to match on a couple of these. But this could be really cool is opening move the opening scenes from movies. Oh, this is great. Um, and like <laughs> and I'm and it doesn't necessarily have to be the credit sequence. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about, because sometimes the credit sequence goes through like an opening scene. Sometimes the opening sequence is right after the credits. Do you know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. whatever the big opening bit was before the movie gets going um, is what we're uh, focused on here. So, yeah, yeah, this is um, no, this is a really fun one. This is a list that I hear and nothing comes to mind. But I do know I've watched so many movies where they've had just that really good opening sequence and uh no that's pretty great like that um, like it's that thing where like when you go back to english class and they make you write the paper and you have to go well they're um you know english class is very specifically telling you that you have to uh uh got to have that attention grabber that first sentence has got to grab the attention that first paragraph has to grab everyone's attention and um that's and it just that's kind of goes through my head. I was like, well, let's talk about the opening scenes of these movies that really got our attention. So. Absolutely. No, this is great. I think that we're going to be talking about a lot of just really fun scenes and hopefully some movies that we haven't talked about before. But, yeah, this is going to be I think this will be a fun one. Yeah. All right, man. Well, how about this? Um, everybody do us a favor and check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. <laughs> you can hit us up on our email, social media, either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Uh, you can also leave us a review. We love five stars, but... Uh, we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be reiterating that I just know I'm not taking that ring to Mount Doom. I mean, I didn't touch it last. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh -huh. 
Awesome. All right, dude. Well, um, everybody, for uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Bye.